How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Candid Clarinetist, the podcast where we explore the lives on and off the stage of professional clarinetists, musicians, teachers, and leaders of the orchestra industry. My name is Sam Rothstein, assistant principal clarinetist and bass clarinetist of the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and the host of The Candid Clarinetist. Our special guests for today are Heather and Alcides Rodriguez. They are the founders and owners of Rodriguez Musical Services, which is a clarinet selection and repair service based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Additionally, Heather is a freelance clarinetist in the Atlanta area, and Alcides is the bass clarinetist of the Atlanta Symphony. On a personal note, I am so excited for my first episode where I have not one, but two special guests. How's it going today, guys? Everything is Very cool. Well. Good, good. Yeah, Thanks for yeah, thanks, Sam. This is exciting. Yeah, Great thanks for idea. joining me today. Um, I'm excited to have you guys. So I always like to start off with a little bit of a icebreaker question. So my question for you guys is, what is the fav- your favorite instrument that you have ever owned? And this can be a clarinet. It can be a piano that was at your house when you were a kid. I just want to know, what was your favorite instrument that you have ever had? And why did you have such a connection with that instrument. So Heather, why don't you start us off? Oh, wow. I was afraid you were going to go to me first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, that's a really tough one, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw a curveball and tell you it was a piano. Uh, <laughs> okay. um, uh, because I actually got out of having to take piano in college because I, I learned a Beethoven sonata in one summer. And therefore, I could actually uh, focus on clarinet more uh, when I got to Baylor. So <laughs> that was probably wow, my, good for my you. favorite instrument was that piano that I spent that summer learning my Beethoven sonata. And Alcides probably thinks that's hysterical because he actually had to take that class for a few semesters. And I got out of it. <laughs> so I have fond memories of that piano. Um, and clarinet-wise, I think my last set of clarinets I, I really did love because that's when we started our business and I got to go through a lot of clarinets and found two beautiful R13s. Uh, so that be, might be more fitting for this uh, podcast. Well, I'm, I got to say, I'm a little envious of you for knowing how to play piano because <laughs> that is like my one musical regret of my life is that I didn't stick with piano because it's just so useful as a learning tool uh, for any musician. So uh, good for you for, for being on top of that early on. I feel the same way about you, Sam, uh, uh, about not being able to play the piano well, which is, you know, I regret that too. You know, I, my, my first instrument, like, uh, I learned to play the organ, actually, but not, not like the organ with a bunch of, like, you know, like we see in school. It was just one of these, uh, you know, like a small organ. It has, like, just two keyboards and, like, just one octave on pedals. But I actually learned to play that at church. My dad taught me to play it. And uh, that was actually my first exposure to, to a musical instrument. Uh, of course, I had a, a small drum, uh, but it was all around church. And, you know, like, so the thing about the organ, 
is that you learn all the chords on like a like first inversion because uh, you have the pedal, so you are always playing the the root of the chord with the pedal. So now when I play the piano, I always play like it's about as, as if it was an organ. But uh, you know, it, it sounds weird because you're always playing the you, you're never playing the tonic with the with it on the chords on the on the on the organ. Well, that's so cool. I didn't know that yeah. <laughs> you were an organist in your formative days. <laughs> but that, that, that was a long that was a long time ago. I don't I don't remember how to play now. So sure, yeah. I've always been very curious about organ in general, just because it just every time I watch it, there's so much going on, and I just I mean, I can barely keep up with one line of music, and it's honestly yeah. the same thing with pianists. It's like they get just a you know, it looks like somebody dropped a, an ink pen on their page, and and I just I'm always amazed at at that skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for my ins- my favorite instrument, I actually it's kind of funny. My favorite instrument is one that I own now, which is my E flat clarinet, which is really odd because that's probably the only instrument that I almost never take out of the case anymore. But it's it's just a really nice instrument. Like it's really even for an E flat clarinet and it's just, I just really love it. So it's, I've just always taken to it and I got really lucky to have a good one. Is it a buffet? What, what model is it? Yeah. It's a, it's a buffet RC prestige. Wonderful. Yeah. Beautiful instruments. Yeah. They're really, really nice. Um, and for some reason this one is just, I, I mean, I don't foresee myself ever getting another one, uh, especially with the frequency that I actually have to play it. So thanks for sharing those with us. So I just wanted to know if you guys can just tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, like where you're from, where did you go to school, and the most pressing question, which is how did the two of you meet? So Heather, why don't you start start us <laughs> okay. off? Sure. Um, well, my, my story isn't as um, exciting as Alcida's. I'm, I'm just from Texas. I'm from Midland, well, that's Texas. That's exciting. What do you mean? <laughs> well, not from overseas. I'm from the mid- Midwest, which is <laughs> perhaps the most boring place you could be from. So, Well, you need to visit West Texas, and you'll change your mind. Texas uh, is awesome. I love <laughs> yeah. Texas. Yeah, you like Texas. It's, it's, um, so I'm, I'm from mid, uh, Midland, which is in West Texas. I grew up in a small town. Um, I started playing clarinet, you know, like all the other kids in, in the band. And I really took to it, and I excelled at it. I loved it, loved music. And uh, went through high school, and I said, this is what I want to do. I ended up going to Baylor University in Waco, uh, and that's where I met Alcides. Skipping ahead, I, I went to Northwestern, and Alcides also went to Northwestern. Uh, you went to Northwestern. And, I did. Uh, I, was, I was after you guys, but we, yeah, we met later on after. in life. So. Yeah, but it, that's, it, that's just kind of it in a nutshell. Alcides and I actually were in a clarinet quartet um, that's at Baylor. Cute. Is that yeah, where very, you met? Very oh cute. My gosh. That's there how, you go. That's how everything <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, man. Nothing like playing some Alfred Uhl to to really you know get you. Right? <laughs> very sexy. It yeah, very sexy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, how about you, Alcides? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your your upbringing? Yeah, I, I grew up in Venezuela, and uh, I mean, it, I, I come from a very very humble beginnings. Like I, I grew up in a small neighborhood, and uh, you know. The way I grew up is just completely, uh, I would say, it's hard for people to understand it here. I mean, the way I grew up, the toys I had and, you know, uh, the things I played with, I was very different from what people grew up here. 
uh, with, but um, I was a, I had a very happy childhood. My my all my, my family on my dad's ties uh, were all musicians. You know, my grandfather and his brothers, they were all musicians. They had like salsa bands and guitar trios, and um, so that's what I get. You know, the the, the music genes. And my dad, uh, he wanted my brothers and I, and me just to you know to do some sort of music. And uh, so I started, what is it called, the Center for, for Arts, you know, the Art Center in my hometown. And um, I was there for like a year learning, you know, basically theory, solfege and stuff like that. And I, I was actually supposed to play saxophone. The, the, the saxophone professor or the saxophone teacher, he also taught clarinet. So I went and talked to him and I said, I want to play saxophone. And he said, well, I'm sorry, all the saxophones are you know, in this repair. But I have this instrument here that is called the clarinet. And he said, do you want to try? You want to give it a, you know, you want to blow into it? And I was like, okay, sure. And um, and I was just so eager to play an instrument because I had been taking solfege for like two years already. You know, I, I just wanted to play something. So, and, and that's how I started playing the clarinet. Very cool. Yeah, and then, you know, of course, uh, uh, I advanced really quickly and he, he recommended that I would go to the youth orchestra, which is, you know, the famous system of the uh, system of youth orchestra of Venezuela and that's how you know when I got into the system uh, of course I had access to better teachers and you know playing in orchestra and of course that that is what actually opened the doors you know for me to see outside Venezuela and to, to, to wonder about what was out there in the world and that's how I got inspired to to wanting to leave Venezuela and, and go to study abroad that's why I got to the United States. Very cool. And then from there, you went to Baylor, is that correct? So I went to Baylor, yeah. So uh, I went to Baylor. And that's, you know, honestly, you know, Texas is a very special place in my heart. I love I love Texas. And I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's where everything started for me. So uh, I went to Baylor in Waco, and I was there for three and a half years. And then I went to Northwestern. Very cool. Well, thanks for sort of giving us the overview of both of your upbringings musically. I know it's two very different paths, but clearly you guys both ended up together, and that's really, really cool. So I wanted to know how, when, and why did you decide to open up your clarinet selection service? As I noted earlier, the two of you have quite a prolific selection service business, so I just wanted to know what was the impetus for you starting this business? I think maybe I'll uh, I'll start that. Of course, we'll probably say the same thing, but... It kind of st- it's it actually began with me. I was actually working for another company uh, uh, with Loff and Pfeiffer, good friends with them and admire what they do. And there came a point where we realized that you know we could do this and we have a lot to offer. And a lot of that hinges on the fact that we could actually select these clarinets. Uh, we realized how important that was right off the bat. Uh, Buffet makes amazing clarinets, wonderful, wonderful clarinets. Some of them are extra special, and that's what we go for. Uh, so anyway, so I was working for Loff and Pfeiffer and have a lot of admiration for Wolfgang and Birgit. But at a point, you realize if you're going to work that hard, you should work for yourself. Uh, so we talked about it, and we thought, we can do this. Alcides is actually a fabulous repairman. Uh, even back then, you know, of course, he's a performer, but he has all this, this skill that was just totally untapped. So we talked about it, and eventually we just said, let's do it, and we started very, very small. Uh, we went to buffet. We, you know, we talked to Francois Clock and he said, we'll come down and 
So we tried clarinets and we actually came back to Atlanta with 15 R13s. Just for those who don't know, Francois Clock is the president and CEO of Buffet USA, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So he was he was supportive. He said, "Well, let's you know see what you can do." And uh, we started with those 15 R13s, uh, and now we're a lot bigger than that <laughs> now. Uh, but that is kind of the the genesis of it, and uh, it's it's going strong. And I think it just keeps growing and growing and because uh, we believe in it, you know, and I kept telling Alcides in the early days, I said, if, if I were going to buy a clarinet, I would buy from us, even if I didn't know us. And, and that's how, that's why I believe in this. That's why I believe in this. So. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, I think this is when you guys were first starting, but one of my colleagues in Richmond, Jared Davis went down to, because he went to school with you guys. He went down to try clarinets from you. And I remember he got back and he looked at me and he's like, every single one of them were great. He's like, he's like, I couldn't decide which one to get because they were like, he's like, each one was almost better than the next one. So, um, and he ended so up clearly, with was incredible. I remember that was a fantastic clarinet. Like, yeah, unreal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, for someone like myself who doesn't know much about the business world, when I say I don't know much about, I mean, I don't really know anything about it. Uh, it would take a tremendous amount of research and effort for me to even approach competency of the ins and outs of running a business. So I wanted to know, like, how difficult was it to learn the X's and O's of getting your operation off the ground? So Alcides, do you want to take this one? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, starting a business, sometimes you basically, you don't know what you're getting into and you just start. And uh, in our case, you know, we were just at, at the time, you know, just musicians, you know, and, uh, and usually, you know, musicians, you know, artists, you know, we just focus on what we do. We, we are very, you know, close-minded about, you know, just playing, 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 and practicing. So when you decide to go into a business, you have no idea how to do it. So, you know, you if you have the uh, the guts to do it, and and then you start basically educating yourself. You start, you know, I, I remember um, when we when, when we started, I I actually took some classes online uh, about you know, business administration. I took maybe like two classes about, uh, you know, like how to run the business and uh, stuff like that, you know. And uh, and th- that was very helpful to get a little bit of knowledge, you know. And then a lot of the stuff, you know, it's like, you know, you, you make mistakes and, and you learn from the mistakes and and you, you correct stuff. But um, it's always important to really uh, find help, you know, and, and, and educate yourself about what you're doing. Um, yeah. And we've had a lot of mentors. Yeah. Yeah. And we have had a lot of mentors too. And, you know, nice people that have shared the knowledge, you know. So can you talk about how you do, I mean, you're the major repair person for your business and you always did repairs yourself on your own instruments and you always, you know, tweak your instruments. And I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with that, but can you talk about like how you got into that and, and how like that's made you more sensitive to how your own instruments feel and how to set up other people's instruments. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, looking back to how I got into it and it was out of necessity. Uh, you know, I grew up in a, a very small, I mean, a small city in, in Venezuela. Um, it, it wasn't like a super small city, but you know, still small, but you know, I always feel like things in Venezuela were always like, 
20, 25 years behind the United States, you know. So growing up, I, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have an access to to a repair person in my hometown. Uh, the the closest person, uh, the closest repair person that was to my hometown was like four hours away, uh, or 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 in Caracas, you know, the capital. When I would have to, you know, go there. Like it was like a six to seven hours in a in a bus ride just to go to Caracas. Um, but I I did that trip a lot because I I used to go and take lessons in Caracas. Uh, every two weeks, I'll go to the conservatory to take lessons, and I did that for a couple of years, you know. And uh, it was a, a big sacrifice, you know. I'll get on a bus uh, at 11 p.m. and I travel all night, get to Caracas really early in the morning, and you know, it was a, it's, it's always been a dangerous place, you know. And as a kid, you know, like I get there at six, seven in the morning, and I had to wait around in the terminal. It's like being at a like a really bad Greyhound terminal. <laughs> and, and and I had to wait until like the metro opened so I could take you know or, or the buses started working so I could just take a bus to the metro and then to the conservatory and then ha- and then I got to the conservatory and I had to wait for hours so my teacher would give me one lesson for like an hour or hour and a half and then I'll I'll go back I'll do the whole trip back again to my hometown and I'll I'll get to my hometown like around you know two a.m. you know next day uh, and I was like. I was, you know, 15 or 16, 17. I was during the, during the time that I was doing that. So, every, so sometimes when I did a trip to Caracas, I got people to work my clients. But that was also when I was a teenager. I was older. But when I started working my client, I was a lot younger. I was maybe like, I don't know, 13, 14. And it was out of necessity because, you know, if I felt that my, my client wasn't working properly and my pad looked really bad, uh, I, I didn't know what to do. So I just one day I decided to put it up. Uh, pull it apart and um, I just started figuring out the mechanism uh, you know funny I took all the keys you know and I was putting them in order uh, so when I you know we put it back together I would just follow that order um, and eventually I just started to figure out how things work and I started making my own pads you know in the very very archaic way I asked my dad to get me like a sheet of cork, you know, like a, a very porous cork to get at like a hardware store. And my mom got me some uh, felt, you know, some fabric and felt. And and so I would just cut the cork, you know, around the cork, I would cut the felt. And I would wrap the pad, you know, with grocery sacks. Yeah. Plastic. <laughs> that's, that's what I would do. You know, so I would just... Yeah. I just very wrap, innovative. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I would just wrap it like a candy, you know. And then and, and I, I would glue it into the cap. With, with contact cement. So yeah. there was no setting, the pad, there was no nothing. I mean, that, if, you know, it, it, it would have to, you know, close, you know, the way I put it on. So, but that's how I did it, you know, I, and, uh, and I enjoyed doing it. And, uh, uh, and I, you know, I, I would change all the pads of my client and I was very proud, you know, that of having new pads for my client and, you know, you know, then, you know, then when I came to the United States, you know, and, and you see all the possibilities that they are here. I mean, here you can find anything, you know, any tool you imagine you can buy here, any, any you know, you can buy pads, you can buy, you know, corks, you can buy anything to, to fix your own clarinet, you know. Uh, it's just, you know, not everybody is, um, you know, had the courage, you know, to, <laughs> to do it. It's the essence of the company. It's the, you know, the devil is in the details. That's the magic is in the finishing. And only yeah. a very good clarinetist is going to know what to do 
where other fine clarinets are going to say, God, how did, what, how did he know to do that? That's exactly how I want that to feel and respond. And, um, and that's, you know, that I, I really admire Alcides for being able to do that. So that's the niche. That's the niche right yeah. there. Yeah. And I, I will say, I totally relate to what Alcides is saying because I have gotten my clarinets back from, you know, very reputable top repair people. And I still have to do little tweaks myself just because it's not exactly how I want it to feel or it's not, you know, something a little bit off. Everybody's different. Yeah. Yeah. But I will caution this because you don't want, you know, for, for students, I, I, I don't necessarily encourage them to do their own repair work because I have made the fatal mistake of snapping a key off my bass clarinet. And (laughs) it was during my professional life. I thought I knew better and, you know, I got a very stern talking to from my <laughs> teacher and mentor, Lori Bloom, about that. Um, he's uh, like, I don't even do that. Why were you doing it? And of course, I had no answer for him. So bravery just a, of it. a word of caution. But yes, I, I agree that like it's a very, very personal thing. And, you know, I'm I'm old enough now that, you know, I don't really or, you know, my clarinets get to a point where I'm just like, OK, well, if I mess something up, like, you know, I, I can either fix it or have someone down the street that I know can fix it for me. So as long as you have Alcides on speed dial, you can. That's do right. <laughs> you need someone <laughs> just in case. Like, don't do it right before your concert. So I know that, Heather, you already kind of touched on this, but what kinds of services do you guys provide for clarinetists? And what do you give them that they are unable to get from another dealer or a music store or an online vendor? Well, that's that's a good question, and I I have to say there are some very very fine uh, repair people and dealers that we have, you know, since we started our business, we have been very fortunate to to come to know, and I have great admiration for those people. Uh, what we do, you know, I guess it's a little bit different. Is you know we are clarinetists, and uh, a lot of that hinges on the fact that Alcides is a professional clarinetist. So, like I said, you know, we started our business with the R13s, and I think that's what we're most known for is the fully upgraded R13s, the hand-selected fully upgraded R13s. So when you say fully upgraded, can you explain sort of what that involves? Uh, and actually, I'll see this, you should really explain this, but literally we just take the whole thing apart and all mm. the materials that Alcides has come to love after trying many, many different pads and bumpers and things, he puts those materials on it, does the key work, uh, and that's a that's a very uh, large topic, uh, but they it's about a six to eight hour process, and that's that's why we call it a premium R13. So all the pads, all the bumpers, the key work. So we call it a premium R13. It's hand selected, fully upgraded, um, and the other you know the other buffet models, the the more premium models, the festivals, traditions, Toscas, Prestiges, uh, beautiful clarinets. They come with more premium pads. So we just do a professional setup. So, you know, if a pad or two or three or four needs to be changed, Alcides will do that. Uh, but he still does, you know, all the key work, uh, make sure it's in great shape. We call it performance ready for those premium instruments. We can fully upgrade those instruments. And I mean, I would recommend it if somebody wants to get their premium instrument upgraded, you know, more power to them. It's going to be even better. And of course, the bass clarinet, same thing. Uh, what Alcides does with the bass clarinet, I mean, it's just such a, an artistry that so few people have that they can do. So it, I just, I'm in awe of what he does with those bass clarinets. 
Yeah, the bass clarinet's definitely a fickle beast for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, you like, I remember Laura used to tell me, he's like, now, Sam, if you tighten one screw just a little bit, the whole thing won't work. Right. So, and it's not <laughs> wrong at all. It's very true. Yeah, the, the bass clarinet, you know, even though, you know, I am a bass clarinetist and I, I, I play the instruments, I, I know it very well. Uh, when it comes to repair it, it's kind of like a love-hate relationship for me. Um, in part because, you know, I love it. You know, I love, how, I love doing it. But uh, it's just very, um, it's very intricate. You know, it's just way, way more difficult than, than the clarinet. Uh, because there are so many parts moving on the bass clarinet. You know, on the clarinet, uh, sometimes, you know, basically most of the times, you know, when you move one key, you're only moving that key. And, you know, the client, maybe only the bridge key and the G-sharp A key, that's, those are the two keys that move together. But on the bass client, it's like sometimes you, 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 when you press one key down, you're moving like two or three more things. Yep. Um, so adjusting all that stuff is, is, is trickier, you know, and, uh, and it's very time-consuming. That's, that's the main thing about, uh, about fixing the bass client because it's very, very time-consuming. Sometimes, you know, it can take you, you know, you know, just to fix a couple things, you know, it can take you an hour, two hours, you know. Um, Especially when you're dealing with like the, in my opinion, when the, with the lower joint or the octave mechanism, mm -hmm, you yeah. know, it, I mean, if you yeah. turn something even, not even a quarter turn, it'll yes, totally exactly. throw the whole thing off. Yeah. 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 So my recommendation for people, you know, when, if, you know, if something wrong with the bass clarinet, just, just make sure, you know, like if you turn, you just always be aware where the screw was. And just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just, and just do, yeah, seriously, like they said, you know, a quarter turn or less. Sometimes, you know, it just less than a quarter turn, it makes a, I mean, make, can make something work or not work. And it's also very personal to you. And you are so sensitive to everything. That's why it's such a nightmare because you are probably one of the most sensitive people. Of course, Sam would play a bass and he would know immediately if something was off. Uh, but that's why it's oh, so yeah. frustrating. You know, I you mean, I, I feel like I go through an existential crisis every like three months because, you know, <laughs> somebody looked at my bass clarinet and it went out of whack and I, you know, freaked out and started moving things around. So it's man, it is a it's definitely and I feel like, too, they, they add, you know, a new mechanism to the to those instruments every like two years. So it, it gets even more complicated than it already is. Um, so I have worked with you guys for a while now I'm, i've purchased an instrument from you and for the last what is it three or four years i've been trying to purchase another one but i'm just so darn picky that i've i haven't exactly gotten what i wanted yet not to say they were bad instruments because they weren't but i'm very very picky with what i want so I, I i just can't highly recommend your service enough and you guys are really listen to your customers wants and needs and you're always willing to work with whatever requests that you get so for anyone out there looking for a new clarinet I, I highly recommend going to you guys one thing that i'm curious about too is what is the process like to actually select the clarinets from the factory so what kinds of things are you looking for and how long before you know playing on one does it take for you to decide okay we're interested in this one but we're not interested in the other one well we're we're very fortunate we have two situations uh Situation one is we, is we go there, or we, we were going there once a year uh, to select instruments. Uh, and, and I is and this by, to, to France? Okay. 
to France, right. So, so Buffet is in Montlaville, and that's about 45 minutes um, west of Paris in a little town uh, and wonderful factory. And so we, we get to go there and we have to schedule this four months in advance. Uh, which is very stressful because basically I forecast, what are we going to need? Okay, let's get, you know, 15 instruments, this, this, this. So uh, by the time we get there, you know, hopefully we're low in, on, on what I've, I've requested. Uh, but they, they've known, they've prepared this room. There's all these clarinets. And we go in and, um, and Alcides, at this point, he's the one doing it. So he selects, um, and he can tell you more about that. But situation two is we have a very good friend who's um, a co-principal of the Paris Opera, and his name's Alexander Chabot, wonderful clarinetist. And he actually goes there uh, one or two times a year, uh, and we are able to get you know more appointments that way, uh, hence more clarinets. Uh, and he also knows our criteria, so he goes in and he selects. Uh, and he lives in Paris, so. Uh, but when Alcides chooses instruments, we, you know, we have a criteria, uh, but Alcides, you wanna take over? You know, selecting an instrument, what I'm looking more on an instrument is, is the potential of the instrument. You know, usually when, when the instruments uh, come from the factory, uh, the, the setup is a very general uh, setup, you know, that, that they do at the factory. It's nothing like super like refined. So sometimes it's very difficult when a client is, is like brand new, like from the factory, it's really difficult to really try a clarinet and really know what the instrument can do because sometimes you know things are not sealing correctly or the tension on the keys is all different it's not even so all the stuff really influence how you feel about, about an instrument so when i'm trying a clarinet, when i'm actually selecting a clarinet i'm mostly looking for the potential of the instrument and of course uh i know what to look for uh you know Sometimes, for example, if I feel that a note is too stuffy, it, it, it might not be. It might not be the client. It might be just that a single pad is not opening enough. Okay. Right, and you don't want to throw out like an an instrument for like one note that's too stuffy because I feel like exactly. sometimes, yeah, I feel like sometimes people will try a clarinet and they're like, oh, the the B is too resistant, and they'll toss it out. It's like, well, you, yeah. you could have just tossed out a great instrument, and that could have been fixed with a simple repair. Exactly. So, but the B could be resistant, but it's maybe because the, you know, like the the, the pinky, the, the D sharp A flat key is not is not closing correctly. You yep. know, uh, maybe the, the spring is too soft. So when you blow into it, you're opening a little bit of the air. And if the pad is not sitting correctly, of course it's gonna it's gonna be resistant. But once you set the pad, well, I mean, you you change the pad and you make it perfect. It's like an incredible instrument. Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. And, and 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 I see that all the time. It's kind of amazing. You know. Um, you know, all the stuff you learn when, when you work on the clarinets. So one of the things that, you know, I, I always think is silly, uh, well, is, you know, people want to go to buffet to try clarinets, you know. You know, I, I, I know there are a lot of uh, brands out there, but I, I you know, of course, I, I play buffet clarinets. I still believe that buff there's nothing better than buffet. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, sound, you know, there's a reason why everybody plays buffet, you know, and it's because it's really difficult to find what those instruments do anywhere else, you know. So, yes, I, I feel that, you know, for example, every time I get a new R13, I mean, it, it, it just doesn't feel right to me. 
But once it's done correctly, it's like incredible. I mean, it, it is the sound you get. Uh, of course, the R13 has, you know, all the intonation issues we all know. Uh, and, but, you know, if you, if you fix those and if you just, if you get it to be, you know, right where it needs to be, it can be a great instrument. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so what we try to do, you know, um, you know, here in the shop is like every clarinet, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we try to make it, you know, to the point where, you know, when you play it, you know that that's what the clarinet can do, you know, um, in terms of, you know, response and, we, you know, we make sure that the, all the keys are, the, the, the mechanism is very even, you know, meaning that the tension of the keys, so when, when you play a scale on the clarinet, it shouldn't feel like one key is harder than the other. You know, it should feel like super even that, so that you, you just basically play a scale and it just feels nice and soft and even, you know, so you don't have to make any effort. Um, and that, that's tricky, you know, sometimes because, you know, you, you don't want to take too much tension from, from the strings so that it, you know because i need to seal uh but that's that's when you know choosing like the right materials is comes is, is very important you know so that's i'm always I'm, I'm very picky and i'm always um uh, always experimenting always you know looking for you know the, the best materials we can find the best pads you know uh the best you know materials for the bumpers you know for you know because so, sometimes you know what you don't want uh, spongy bumpers, you know, you, that affects intonation. You want a bumper that when you when you press a key, it stops stops where you know we're supposed to stop. So we, you know, that's that's what we do here. We um, we, we just try, you know, to to get the clarinets exactly where they need to be. And uh, so when people try clarinets, you know, it's, uh, so you can really uh, hear what what the clarinet can do, you know. So one thing I am dying to know, and you touched on it a little bit, but every relationship certainly has its challenges. And I'm just really curious to know what it's like to be married to another clarinet player. So can you guys just, <laughs> tell, yeah. So like, just, I mean, I, I can barely be in the same room as another clarinet player for a certain amount of time. So being married to one would be just a whole nother level for me. So I just, I'm just curious, you know, what's the dynamic? Well, try like... starting a business with one. Yeah, that's, that's right. even, yeah, even more added stress. Uh, well, I have to preface this by saying that Alcides just really isn't your typical clarinet player. He does. You, I don't know if you would think he was a clarinet player if you met him on the street. Uh, if you didn't, yeah, know. he doesn't really fit in those stereotypes, no. at least from my my interactions with him. So he's pretty chill. Uh, not to say that all clarinetists are uptight and thinking about clarinet all the time. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but no, he's, he's very relaxed, very chill. Um, and, uh, I just really, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I see what you mean. Cause I, I think it's absolutely insane. Uh, but we don't, we don't talk about clarinet that much. Um, of course, now that we that's, have a business, we wow, I am business so, <laughs> yeah, I am so amazed cause I feel like I would never not talk about it. So that's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, when we were taking both taking auditions and stuff, of course, we'd talk about it. But then uh, just to get away from it, we we just put it away. Uh, now, when you run a business together, you can't, especially when, you know, you have two kids. You've got to talk about business when you have free moments. Uh, so I have to say that the clarinet has been replaced with the business talk. Uh, no, but I think that's a big thing. I'm very, very lucky that Alcides is very chill. 
uh, a nice guy uh, and not, you know, and I know he's a fabulous clarinet player and I, I don't, um, I'm not jealous. <laughs> no. And he, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't um, drive me nuts with the clarinet talk. And so we leave it at that. Uh, we just Perfect. do our business stuff. And I hope he would feel the same way, but I, I'm not sure. How do you feel about that? I'll see this. Yeah. You know, for us, you know, it's been, obviously, you know, we, you know, we met at Baylor and, uh, you know, we just started hanging out and we were playing clarinet quartets together. And that's how we started, you know, dating, you know. I guess, you know, it, it, it was a challenge at, at some point, you know, like when we were both, you know, like fresh out of college, we were like all like, you know, like going for for auditions, you know, and, uh, and you know, still, you know, pursuing a career on clarinet, you know. So it was a little bit challenging because we both, we both were practicing the same thing, you know. I don't think we were as competitive with each other at all. We were just, you know, it was just, you know, we were listening to each other, you know, playing play the same excerpts, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we were, we've always been very supportive. And uh, I will say that the, obviously the challenge part was, you know, the whole, the, the whole question about, you know, what, what if we get a different job or, or what if I get a job, you know, in, in Heather's case, you know. Because um, I always feel, you know, very grateful and lucky that I, I won my first job when I was just finishing Northwestern. Um, you know, I, I, my first job was with the, with the Jacksonville Symphony. And, you know, at the time, you know, uh, when I was at Northwestern, uh, I was on a student visa. But I was already engaged, you know, to Heather. And... I had so much pressure, man, because imagine, you know, I'm a foreigner. I have nothing, you know. I'm 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 engaged to this, you know, American girl and you know, the family expecting me to support her. And you know yeah. so I, I was on Northwestern, like it was like, you know, March, you know, and I was like, you know, what am I gonna do? You know, and and I was about to finish, you know, the the, the semester it was supposed to end in, in, in May or May or June. Um the, the quarter, you know, and and so I want I want my audition in April, you know, right like two months before finishing school, and uh, that was such a relief, you know. So of of course, you know, I I always had the job, I always had the you know, the, I was ahead, you know, of Heather, um, but you know she, she she's a very good clarinetist. She was always very competitive. She always practiced and prepared. And she was constantly taking auditions, you know, and, and she was she, she got very close, you know, in, in a couple of auditions, but she, she didn't get a job. So, but the, 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 it was difficult during the time because there was always a question, you know, what if I get a job? What if I get a job? And I said, I, we were always like, you know, let's not think about that very much. Let's not talk about that right now. Just, you know, just take the audition, you know, if you get a job, we'll cross the bridge, you know, at, when, at that time. Uh, but you know that, that I think that was one of the most difficult things, you know, in a relationship, you know, just to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But you know, that was a reality, you know. And, yeah, uh, and it's definitely not unique to just clarinet players. I know, like, yeah, you know, with with my wife, it's the same thing. She's, you know, I'm I'm always like, she's like, oh, you're gonna get another job, and we're gonna have to move. I'm like, well, uh, maybe, but let's not count on me getting another job. Let's cross yeah. the bridge when we come to it. But it's always, <laughs> I mean, with two clarinet players, though, you're just like, who's you know, it almost gets into the things like whose career is more important, even though that's not really the case. It's yeah. just like we both want to be happy, you know. It's hard to think about that stuff, you know, at the moment because I mean, if Heather would have gotten a, a job, you know, 
And we, we said, well, you know, you have to get a, a better job than, than my job, which, you know, it, it was unfair, you know, because, I mean, I, I already had the Atlanta Symphony job, you know. So getting a better job like that, than that means that you have to get something a lot better, you know, and the competition for that is really, really high. Mm-hmm. So almost unfair to ask that, you know, like, well, if you get a better job than mine, I'll quit mine. <laughs> yeah. You know, but there was always, I mean, there was always a possibility, you know. Um, and she was going for, like, big auditions, too. And uh, we actually went to auditions together sometimes, you know. And at some point, we actually got it. We stay in different rooms in the hotel. Oh, really? Yeah. We, we, I think we did it maybe once or twice that, you know, we stay in different rooms, you know. So you stay there, you know, you practice your thing, you know, so we can both, you know, concentrate. And, and, and sometimes, you know, we both advance to the semifinals, and, uh, and or, or I would advance and she would advance, but it, it was very, 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 it was interesting, you know, just being in auditions together, you know. Well, thanks for all that insight. I think that, you know, I, like I said, every relationship has its challenges, but it sounds like you guys are not only surviving, but thriving with two clarinetists in, over one roof. So I know that you guys are super, super busy with work and your family. You have two kids now. But I want to know if you had one week to not do anything, no work, no practicing, no clarinet, no business, what would the two of you guys do? Uh, we'll go to Paris. Yeah, go to Paris and try clarinets. <laughs> no. Uh, go to France no, no, and no. not go to Paris. Uh, I'll see if you yeah. probably say that. Oh, you know, we, I mean, assuming that we had the time and the, the, uh, the money and very good babysitting on part of my parents uh, doing that. I would love to go travel. Yes, travel, please. would love to go to Italy, you know, Spain. Haven't, we've been there, but we just haven't spent much time in those countries. It's always, it's always France, and that's fine because, you know, it's, it's part work. And, of course, we love France. Um, every time we've been to Paris to try clarinets, we also try to go to one other region you know in in france so we we know france you know pretty well definitely i i I would say that we'd want to go somewhere with the kids actually it's it's hard to know we're so early in the game you know the kids are three and a half and six months so it's it's so hard to imagine not having them so we would probably go somewhere with them uh and just put the business on hold the thing about having your own business is my god you can't do that you just cannot put put it on hold uh even on holidays on weekends at night i mean it's there. And that's fine. I mean, that's why we're doing it. And I love it. But it, it really does stay with you all the time. So, Yeah. And that's interesting uh, that you say that because it's so hard to travel when you're a musician. And especially like you guys, you're, you're not only you have a full-time orchestra musician, but you also have this business that you have to run. And like for me, like my wife, I mean, she understands, but She's like, what do you mean you can't take that week off to go somewhere? And I'm like, I, I can't take that week off. Like, we got to play Don Quixote. Somebody's got to be Sancho Panza, you know? That's right. And, and so, like, it's just so it's stuff that like that that you deal with as a musician that I think people don't realize when they kind of get in the profession. It's like there are, it's amazing, and I love what I do. And but there are certainly sacrifices and compromises that you make in other in other parts. So. I'm kind of with you, Heather. I'd I'd love to travel, and and I'll see this. I'm assuming you're probably along the same lines. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I go with Heather goes. She's the one yes. who plans the trips. I'm sure she does a great job. I just you know I just get on the airplane, get out of the airplane, 
and uh, and I go with Hella Ghost. Before you leave, I just wanted to know if you guys have any last words, shout outs, pieces of advice, words of wisdom. So Heather, you first. Uh, well, first of all, I have to say thank you so much to the people who have supported our business and supported us, you know, as musicians and now as um, clarinet business uh, owners. We, we really appreciate you, all the colleagues, all the teachers, uh, all the people that we knew before we started this business and all the wonderful people we've met since we started this business. I remember, you know, Francois Clock telling me at the very beginning, keep those people close to you. The, the people that help you at the beginning, always take care of your customers, always take care of those, those wonderful people, especially the ones at the beginning. And I have to say thank you so much because I feel like it's this trickle down effect that's happened, you know, with, with friends, with teachers, colleagues, and the business is getting bigger. And I just have to say thank you. Um, it's not words of advice. Of course, that is my word of advice. I always express your gratitude. And I, I really have to express my gratitude uh, to the people that have helped us, all of our mentors. We've had so many mentors uh, and the people that have been customers and friends and supporters and people like you, Sam. But I, I, that's, that's how I would like to, to end my, my little bit is saying thank you. Well, I need to thank you as well because I know that I've, like I said before, I've gotten instruments from you and I've recommended all my friends who've asked to you guys because I, I really truly believe that you guys do the best job of not only picking the instruments and having a great selection, but also just listening to, to what the customers have to say and trying to obey their needs. And I think that that's incredibly important. And I'll give one last shout out. If, if anyone's looking for a new clarinet, definitely check them out. Uh, Rodriguez Musical Services. I think the easiest way probably to check you guys out is on the internet. Yeah, they website. can contact me. Uh -huh. Yep, that, that's me. I'm the info at rodriguezmusical.com. Uh, and you're, you know, asked about what services we have. We also are very, very busy doing overhauls. Uh, and also we've started doing used instruments again. Uh, those are really in demand, especially right now what, with what, you know, what's going on. Um, uh, used instruments, we're doing that too. So uh, yeah, thank you so much, Sam. We appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. Absolutely. And Alcides, do you have any last words or shout outs, pieces of advice, words of wisdom? Oh, well, um, well, you know, I, I, I have to echo what Heather says, you know, about, you know, thanking all our, the people that have supported us, you know, and, and believe in us, you know, it's, for me, it's, um, it's, it's been very, it's been an incredible journey having this business, you know, aside from, from my journey being in the United States, you know, I, I came here now 20 years ago. And uh, and, it's, and it's, it has been an incredible journey for me, but you know, since we started the business, uh, it's also been a, a journey for me. And for me, it was very, you know, just uh, I, I I work on my clients a lot, but just the the, the thought of working on a client or, or someone else's instrument that that really scared me at the beginning, you know, and that, and I think that's what always uh, stopped me from doing something like this. Because I, I was scared to work for other people, you know. But once I once I passed that, then I ended up, you know, enjoying it and, and, and of course, you know, improving and always trying to get better and better, always trying to find, you know, better uh, materials and equipment and tools and all the stuff, you know. I'm always trying to get tools that help me do the job better and faster and more efficiently. So, you know, if there's something I, I have to tell, you know, everybody out there, you know, is the 
you know, don't be afraid to explore, you know, because, you know, we, we get very stuck up, you know, on doing something, you know, especially, you know, as musicians, you know, we have been taught, you know, just to practice a clarinet and, you know, take auditions and get a job in an orchestra, you know, and, and just play, 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 play. And, and sometimes, you know, people get very frustrated with that, especially if you don't get a job. For me, you know, this has been an incredible journey, just finding that, oh, I can do this, you know. Uh, and it was something that I was always afraid to do. And finally, I had to give the step, you know. I had to give the first step and do it. And, and, and then now I'm really enjoying it. It's very challenging for me in some ways, sometimes sometimes very, very difficult. Because when we started the business, I was just doing, you know, some of the repairs. But now it has become pretty much like a full-time job. And and so I have to juggle between doing this job and being a performer, you know. So that has it's, it's been very difficult. But uh, in, in, so, in so many ways, I'm very thankful, you know, for our business and, and doing what we're doing because it has given me a different, uh, it has given me a little bit of, of flexibility, you know, on, on, or maybe a lot of flexibility on, on how I do. Like one, one great thing about having your own business is, you know, you can be your own boss. A lot of inspiration for this business also came, uh, you know, with Atlanta Symphony, we had... Um, a lockout back in 2012 and that was a that was an incredible uh call for me because you know when you're playing in an orchestra and, and you know every every time you have contract negotiations you know there's always this thing about you know pay cuts or you know concessions and stuff like that and you know usually you, you have to go into this really you know toxic dispute with management and and that was a, a, a call for me, you know, like, uh, you know, so we were locked out for like a month. And at that time, you know, I had no salary and, you know, of course, no insurance, no nothing. You know, so you go from, you go from, you know, having a very sweet job, you know, like just being very comfy and, you know, having a salary, having insurance, you know, feeling very secure. And then all of a sudden you have nothing. And, you know, for me, that was like, you know, I was basically, you know, screw this. This is not going to happen to me again. And that was a very good, uh, for me, a call to really go for the business, you know. And it, it feels good now because I, I feel like, you know, I am my own boss. And, uh, and of course, I, I, I love performing. Uh, but the times that, you know, the orchestra, you know, has been on the lows, I'm still working, you know. And uh, that's been a, an incredible um valuable lesson for me absolutely and i think that you know one chronic theme i've had with doing these interviews is that a lot of my guests have encouraged our listeners to be curious and be creative in in other ways because it's easy to like you said it, it's playing in the orchestra i mean it's a hard job because of the nature of what you're doing but it's easy to get comfortable but it's also good to have other avenues. It's good to start your own business. It's good to have a clarinet repair business. It's good to start a podcast. It's good to, you know, create online content. So I think that it's good, especially in this day and age, to sort of be curious and always be looking forward to sort of the clarinet entrepreneurship sector of things just because of the uncertainty of of playing in an orchestra. I mean, it's just, it's it's a secure job, but it's also, it goes in waves where like the, the orchestras are always going to exist, but you never know, you know, when you might not have work for three months. So it's, it's good 
not only as motivation to be more secure that way, but it's good to just explore your creativity and explore, you know, another lasting effect that you can have on the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I will say, I mean, you know, for me, it's been, uh, obviously I, I have my, you know, up and ups and downs and, and, but, I, I would just say, you know, it's just about doing something that you really like, you know, and obviously I feel so incredibly fortunate, you know, and blessed that I've been able to, to make a living doing what I really love. You know, you know, they say, you know, do what you love and you don't have to work. Okay. Which is, you know, is, you know, uh, it's true and, but not completely. Right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but it's kind of true, you know, like do what you love and you don't have to work because it's, it's always fun. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, being on stage, you know, with, you know, a top orchestra, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of stress, you know. And, and just keeping that performing level is very difficult, you know. And as you get older, it gets, it gets harder and harder. Mm, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I really think that, you know, especially nowadays, you know, we, we have the technology, we have, you know, I mean, in, in, internet, everything is so incredibly accessible. If you find that you, you have some, a talent, you know, you should exploit it, you know, and you probably might find out that it's going to make you happier than what you're doing right now. Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. It was really fascinating to get to talk to you about the ins and outs of your business and just tell your story to everybody. So thank you so much. And for our new listeners out there, please make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at the candid clarinetist and follow us on Twitter at candid underscore clarinet. Once again, my name is Sam Rothstein, and thanks for tuning in to The Candid Clarinetist.